0: Welcome podcasters, this is Jay Morzaria of The Shake. During the first week of February, I had the chance to catch up with Stefan Schenk, the SVP of customer experience at Mihi Cannabis. In this episode, we'll discuss all things Mihi Cannabis, including marketing, brand presence, and discuss the challenges to creating an identity in today's retail landscape. We will also touch on the common digital marketing mistakes made, legitimizing the industry, new technologies, as well as educational workshops. Last but not least, Stefan will share his top three marketing tips for the cannabis industry. It's a session you'll remember with Mihi's SVP of Customer Experience, Stefan Schenk. Hey Stefan, it's great to have you on The Shake today. How are you doing and where are you joining us from?
1: Hi, thank you very much for having me. Uh, My name is uh, Stefan Schenk and I'm the SVP Customer Experience at, at Mihi. I'm joining you today from our head office in Liberty Village, Toronto, and I'm really excited to talk about uh, branding in the cannabis industry.
0: That's great to hear. And we're excited to have an opportunity to chat branding, marketing, and of course, Mihi Cannabis with you. So why don't we start with your industry experience?
1: Yes, absolutely. I've actually always been in, in retail. I grew up on the agency side, um, having spent about three years working in uh, in, in New York with clients such as uh, Walmart, Samsung, and and Unilever, and I was very much focused on creating customer experiences at scale and primarily on on helping Walmart understand what their store environment and their customer experience should look like in 2025 in order to be able to compete with Amazon and some of the other large national and international players in the United States. I then moved back to to Toronto in September of last year um, for the opportunity with me, and I'm very excited to build a, a, a great experience in the Canadian Cannabis marketplace.
0: And so why the cannabis industry? What sparked your interest to join?
1: A variety of things. Um, to be honest with you, I I, I use and I consume cannabis uh, privately, um, primarily for stress relief. So I actually believe in the plant, believe in what it can do for people and in, uh, on the health as well as on the recreational side. But beyond that, I was also very, very excited about the opportunity of building a, uh, a store or retail network from the ground up. Um, working with uh, existing retailers, you're always dealing with uh, legacy processes, uh, operational procedures that are ingrained in the, in the organization. They won't necessarily allow you to do the things that you would like to do because you know that they are right for the customer. Building something from the ground up allows us to, to create the best customer experience without any, any, any baggage.
0: Now, at a high level, what is Mihi Cannabis?
1: Mihi Cannabis is a aspirational uh, cannabis uh, cannabis retail store, and what we focus on is uh, on on making cannabis approachable to our customers, and we do this uh, through education, uh, we do this through community engagement, and we do this through a very solutions based uh, approach to retailing. What it means on the education side is is that. We've actually hired a director of education. Um, Her name is Tabitha Fritz, and she's very ingrained in the legacy market. She's helped us uh, design a proprietary training program, which all our guides will have to go through. What this allows us to do is actually differentiate through product knowledge, and even more so differentiate through soft skills. And what I mean by soft skills is, is that product knowledge really is table stakes. As in, if I walk into a cannabis retail store and the person doesn't understand cannabis, I'm going to be disappointed because I expect you to know that. Mm-hmm. What we're teaching our staff beyond that is, how do you have to consolidate the sales conversation? How do you read body language? How can I truly provide a solution to my customer beyond just selling a product? Mm-hmm. Um, the second part here is, is community mm-hmm. engagement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, and many people are talking about the, the aspect of community and the importance of community. But we've actually taken it a step further. We partnered with local artisans across across Ontario, and have them actually create um, accessories, mini exclusive accessories for our cannabis stores. Because we truly believe that in every small town, in every city, there are great small entrepreneurs, great artists um, with a lot of talent and skill, but not necessarily the platform to actually be known at a national level. We, we want to we want to support those people. First least. Yeah. It's uh. It's solutions-based. For us, or for, for me, really what it comes down to is that ultimately I walk into a store because I, I want to fill a need or I want to overcome an issue or I want to find a solution and then, okay, I want to buy cannabis because I can't sleep. I want to buy cannabis because I'm going out with my friends. I want to buy cannabis because I want to relax. Now, what we've done actually design our whole store environment around those solutions because I believe that ultimately this will help destigmatize the category and will also help simplify the shopping process for newcomers.
0: Mihi Cannabis has a location in Burlington, which as we understand is close to the public, but it's a concept store which helps bring visions to life. Do you mind explaining why this approach was taken and how effective it is proven?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As we have our twenty-five, twenty-eight hundred square foot uh, concept store in Burlington. Um, and it will become an actual live store once you receive a license. Um, after the provincial government switched to the lottery uh, approach to licensing, we very quickly realized that we need to build a store in order to test out our thinking and make sure that it is operationally sound. Um, from my perspective, it's been a huge success. Um, I, it's always great to be able to get off paper and actually walk into the store into the store that you've designed and also kind of um, test out if some of you are thinking it's actually working. And, and to be perfectly honest, I walk into the Burlington store now. Um, I would say we're 80% there, but every time I walk into the store, there are small little things that I want to change for our second location. So it's been a great success and been a great learning opportunity for the full team.
0: Now, we want to discuss something that tends to be harder for retailers within the strict rules and regulations. Creating identity with authenticity that resonates with the consumers has its challenges within the current landscape. How does Mihi Cannabis create a brand identity that resonates with its consumers? It's
1: actually, it's actually yeah, it's obviously an issue across the cannabis industry. I actually believe that there's retailer. You're better positioned to build a brand identity and to build custom loyalty than you are as a, as a mainstream brand, a mainstream cannabis brand. Because the one thing we have is our physical doors. We've got physical touch points with our customers, which we need to maximize. For me, building brand identity in this space is all about a customer experience you provide within the store. As in, is it remarkable? Is it memorable? Does it go beyond the transaction? Unfortunately, many cannabis stores um, are totally transactional. But if, if you actually have the ability to build a connection with your customer and actually create some type of emotional feedback, or emotional connection, that's how you'll ultimately be able to build your brand identity. I think beyond that, there are also initiatives across uh, public relations, um, partnerships with artisans, And obviously social media initiatives that you can use to drive awareness, but I truly believe that ultimately you'll build loyalty in your stores.
0: Now very quickly, we wanted to touch on some of the business models used. Some retailers would prefer to remain independent, while others have visions of creating franchise experiences. In a past (laughs) interview, you were quoted as saying, you want to be a business that runs corporate stores. Can you talk a bit more about this and what this means?
1: Yes, absolutely, and and that stance has not changed. Um, we are still in it to run a corporate store network, and and for us, that decision came down to to really to two things. Uh, number one is, is that we want to be known for our customer experience, and if you live in a franchise environment, you actually have to give up some some control over staffing. You have to give up some control over the actual in store experience because you're dealing with franchisees. So if you want to differentiate a customer experience, it's tough to do if you're a franchisor. That's number one. Number two, for us, was actually about the concept of, the concept of employee experience and employee culture. Uh, We recognize that in order to have a good customer experience, you need to start with your employees. You need to make sure that your employees enjoy working for your company. You you want to make sure that they incentivized in the right way to work for the company. And you really want want them to live and breathe the media culture. Um, If I have a corporate store network, I can do this. Um, Even for me as the SVP customer experience or for for our CEO, I have the ability to talk to my guides. I have the ability to communicate with them and influence the way they think about a company. If I'm in a franchise environment, I lose all of that ability and have to rely on the franchisee, which sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't, but it's very tough to protect the brand equity, equity that way.
0: That makes sense. Now, what do you find are some of the biggest mistakes brands are making with digital marketing?
1: You know, it's like I've not seen any massive mistakes in digital marketing. I think for me, I come from a traditional CPG background, right? I used to work with CPG companies. So the moment you used to lose the ability to do paid search and some of the other levers that you would usually pull, mm-hmm. your eye on digital marketing goes through the floor. As in some of the numbers, you're dealing with in this industry are numbers that would get you canned in any other industry, right? Mm -hmm. So I I don't think there are any big mistakes in digital marketing yet, but I also don't think there are any big winners in digital marketing. In marketing in general, in this space, I think we're still all learning how to navigate the regulations, in which areas we can push it, in which areas we always need to be black and white and 150% compliant. But I think ultimately it's an nascent industry that's still growing, and uh, it will take years for us to truly understand how to successfully market the market.
0: Yeah, the industry is brand new; it's a blank canvas or almost like a clean slate, if you will. Uh, would you mind talking about some of the ideas used for unconventional marketing strategies?
1: So far, as in regards to unconventional marketing strategies, uh, I, I think quite a bit about. Physical experiences, um, doing pop ups, mm-hmm. pop up stores across Ontario, um, because I always find that that is a very good bend, mm-hmm. especially if you compare it with digital right now. Like for the last five to ten years, digital was always seen as the more efficient tool to reach your audience, mm-hmm. um, which which may be true and in, in, in the mainstream space. I actually don't think that is true in cannabis. So I actually think you want to rethink that piece. For me, the other piece is also the, the notion of of actually telling stories and and being more of a content hub. So it's actually more of a content play and less of a marketing play. So for example, me actually put out a campaign in the summer of 2019. It was called Putting It Bluntly," And we partnered with 30 different influencers to tell real stories about cannabis. Um, One one of the influencers used to be a a pro soccer player, but uh, had a really bad ACL injury. And, and, And she's actually talking about how utilizing cannabis actually helped her with some of the pain and the recovery that followed the ACL injury, injury. But we also talk about the, the, the downsides of cannabis. Is like, you know, it's always very easy to talk about all the great things that cannabis can do for you, but there are very real downsides. So we actually talked to somebody whose uh, father actually got imprisoned for, for dealing in cannabis, and uh, and how that impacted her family life, how that impacted her childhood, and, and so on. But the one thing we wanted to make sure is that we're having, or having open and honest conversations with the audience I and mean, we're enabling those conversations, but there are different ways to go about building a community around your brand, mm-hmm. but I think ultimately everybody's still learning what those those ways are beyond you know, your press release, uh, your content place, and some of the other things that we're seeing right now.
0: And do you foresee there being any more flexibility with marketing campaigns related to edibles?
1: Uh, yes, the, the question is when. <laughs> I think in general we will see uh, regulations ease up across the spectrum um, as it relates to marketing, as it relates to some of the in-store initiatives and, and partnerships between licensed producers and retailers. I think all of that will ease up, but I think we're still year, years away from that happening. Okay. Um, the, the reality is is that the government approach right now, Health Canada's approach, is very much around protecting the public, protecting youth, mm-hmm. which is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. and. They'll start easing up once they feel confident that we're adhering to the current guidelines. And then we've got a little bit more scientific, uh, a few more scientific studies on cannabis and the impact that's primarily on use.
2: Phew, got those taxes done just in time. I don't know about you, but I can feel rushed with the day-to-day and when it comes to doing my taxes or when that time of year rolls by, it can easily get lost in the shuffle or rushed. Luckily, I can rely on InstaTax for all my tax needs. And all it took InstaTax was 30 minutes. Think about it, that's quicker than a pizza. InstaTax also helped realign my business accounting needs from payroll, bookkeeping, monthly financials, and year ends, just to start. It really gives me peace of mind knowing I have the right team at InstaTax in my corner for all my accounting needs. If you find yourself in a situation or just want the right team to guide you with your accounting needs, visit InstaTax at www.insta-tax.ca or contact InstaTax at 905-737-5811. Once again, that's 905-737-5811 or come visit them at Suite 215 at Hillcrest Mall in Richmond Hill, serving from the same location for over 27 years. And when you do contact InstaTax, remember to mention The Shake for a 5% discount on your personal income taxes.
0: Now with the strict rules and regulations, branding can be hard. However, with retailers within their footprint of the brick and mortar store, they have an opportunity to set a brand presence, either on the bag or in corporate materials. An example could be <clears throat> color-coding tiles. The darker the color, the stronger the strain. Would you be able to share some of the approaches Mihi Cannabis will take in the future?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. So for us, is um, color is a big navigational cue. So for us, we are actually divided into four different zones. Um, you know, one zone is called Cessen, one zone is called Energize, one zone is called Amplify. So our whole shopping environment will actually be color coded, and each of those zones will have a they'll have a different color. Um, so it's very easy to shop. It simplifies the shopping experience. Beyond that, what we'll do is we'll actually partner with a with a Strainprint to provide to provide recommendations within our in-store environment. Um, what print allows us to do is have access to more than five hundred thousand medical records that actually give us give us outcomes based on usage. So what we'll do is leverage those records to actually provide tailor-made uh, recommendations to our customers in the store environment within within the intent of the regulations or breaking the regulations. I think the other piece around branding is that that it's about providing value. It's not about trinkets and trash. Like It's not just about, okay, I'm going to have a, a graphic that I'm going to put into your bag. I'm going to have a nice bag that I'm going to show to you. It's really about how do I actually provide value to my customer's life on a daily basis. So Mm -hmm. what are the things they care about? I can help them with those things. So for us, we'll be pushing very heavily into strain diaries. We'll be pushing very heavily into some of the digital media components that we're seeing or digital technologies that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Some of the things we're thinking about is more so in a two-, three-, four-year vision is what role does voice play? How can I actually utilize voice to... uh, have a better customer experience and better shopping experience now the other piece is also what do our customers really care about and how can i start personalizing my assortment my office to our customers so our approach is very much driven on providing data and personalization and technologies mm-hmm. um, Versus your traditional branding initiative,
0: you kind of covered my next question, but I yeah. did want to ask you. No, it's okay. Is is there a piece of technology that exists right now or that is coming out in the future that you believe will help further the brand presence and enable uh, better access to consumers?
1: I think I, I think voice and IoT still is up and coming. and Still going to be the main the major disruptor mm-hmm. in, in kind of in, in the next 10-15 years. Okay. Um, that the question that a retailer or a brand has to answer is, do I actually want to be one of the first movers and create an early presence on those new devices, or do I want to wait and let a few other guys go first and then see if I can prove oh, up on what they've done? Um, my point of view in that is always, it's always I always like to be kind of the first and innovate and keep innovating. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that this definitely is something that me will get on quite quite soon. Okay.
0: Now, as many of our listeners know, we created the Shake in part to spread education about the cannabis industry. Mihi Cannabis has a process, Explore, Learn, and Engage, which promotes education and a hands-on experience, as well as workshops, which helps consumers with everything from rolling to carrying of accessories. Why was this developed? And can you talk a bit more about this?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned earlier, education part is key. Um, uh, we, we hired a head of education and ahead of training just for that reason. Because if I really want to destigmatize cannabis, i, I got to make it easy for people to find information. i got to make it easy for people to digest information. Uh, sativa, indica, terpenes may as well be Latin for most of the, uh, most of the new users. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is really simplify it. And, and we simplify it throughout different zones in the store environment that speak to outcomes and solutions. We simplify it through our educational wall and terpene tester stations, which we'll have in store, which will provide you with uh, basic information on cannabis. And then we'll also be hosting workshops within our store environment. And those will be micro, kind of micro modules, as in 10 to 15 minutes, quick hit workshops hosted by our guides. Um, they will explain uh, our customers, how do you actually roll the joint? Like, what's up with waving? What do I actually need to, to know about it? How do I, how do I clean like, uh, my glassware? Because what we really want to do is to provide true education to our customers, because if we believe that new customers will enter the marketplace and will enter and soon will start purchasing cannabis products, then we need to give them the ability to educate themselves when they enter the store
0: so that not all the education happens online. Now there's a fine line with what is educating a customer and what is promoting. How do you set the yep. parameters to ensure complete educational experiences without promoting certain brands?
1: Well, I, I think there's actually a, a couple of things on that one. I, I think 8.0, the, the whole thing is, is that I can prescribe, as in I can't tell you they will do X for you, but I can talk about um, the impact it's had on other people. And and then, especially when it comes to brand presence and uh, and brand promotion, that's obviously a, a bit of a sticky topic in the industry. Brand promotion is something that's very, very common if you walk into a Loblaw, into a soap, or like any other kind of retail store, but it's not very common in cannabis just because of the regulation. From a media perspective, our point of view on this is is that we don't necessarily support one-off branded displays or branded promotion, but we do support uh, brands that want to help us grow a category. Um, so for us, everything that we approach, we approach as a category angle. So if you are a larger producer and you want to talk to us about one of the brands that you carry. Then you better be prepared to talk to me about how does this brand actually help my vaping category, or my flower category as a whole, versus just a singular brand. Because ultimately, I want to provide uh, to the customer the best product, the product that best helps them kind of find the solution they're looking for, versus providing them with the product that I get paid the most for.
0: In today's age, social media is a part of our daily lives, and it plays a significant role with marketing, branding, and facilitating interactions. Which social media channels do you find are either the most effective or ineffective for you?
1: I think uh, Instagram hands down the most effective channel. Okay. Um, it's getting up there in regards to well, not necessarily in cannabis, but in, in general, it's getting up there in, in costs. Um, I, I think Facebook still works quite well for community building. Um, I, I think the most. Overrated channel, especially on the B2C side, is probably Twitter. I, I see a lot of stuff going on on Twitter, but not a lot of our consumers are actually there. It's really just the, the industry talking to themselves. I, I completely agree.
0: <laughs> now, one issue that's incredibly important uh, to the industry and something that we've touched on is to legitimize it and to combat the stigma. And you've talked a bit about how Mihi Cannabis is working to do that. Um, how have you taken on this challenge personally?
1: So personally for us, destigmatization is all about making sure that we treat it like any other product. Um, the moment we put it on a pedestal or the moment we, we are afraid of it is the moment we start stigmatizing it. So the way, the way I've dealt with it or the way we at have dealt with it is that, A, if you actually look at our locations, we're primar- primarily located in plazas next to grocery or liquor anchors. Because we fundamentally believe that in about three or four years the cannabis shop will be part of your weekly trip, just like you go shopping for wine. So we wanted to be co-located with those anchors. I think the other piece is about um, integrity and uh, and just being doing what is ethically right. Uh, you, you know, I think there have been many, many reports about the industry in the last year that didn't do us any good, that didn't really further our cause mostly because business ethics got lost in kind of the mad rush that we were in in late 2018 and then in 2019. But you've got to lead with ethics. And you need to make sure that you have a leadership team that understands retail that, uh, and, and then actually runs it as a, you know, as, as, a, uh, as a business. So if you look at a media leadership team, we've got executives from TD Bank. We've got ex-HCO employees. For me, I used to be an executive at a WPP agency. So we really, we really made sure we got a lot of retail talent in there. And, so, and, then, and then I think last but not least, it's actually what does the store look like? How do your store employees act? Mm-hmm. Do you actually play up the cliché, be it through your name, be it through your store experience? We're actually trying to stay away from any cliché whatsoever in, you know, in regards to what we call We call called me, which is Latin for, for me. Um, our store experience doesn't play with clichés. Because we ultimately believe that the moment you play into a cliche, you start
0: stigmatizing again. Talking about your team, something a few of our other guests have highlighted are the strong women that exist within the cannabis industry, and Mihi Cannabis was recently featured in an article highlighting the women behind Mihi Cannabis. Can you touch on this a bit more for our listeners?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's actually interesting, because for us when we hire, we really make sure we basically hire the right fit for the position, and We don't really worry too much about gender to be perfectly honest, but what it actually ended up being is that we actually ended up with females in most of our leadership positions because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know I just talked about Tabitha Fritz, Uh, she's our director of uh, education and training. Um, Absolutely amazing knowledge. Um, I don't think I know anybody knows more about cannabis than Tabitha and that means a lot. Um, we've got uh, Sharon Wiley, who's our head of brand. She actually created me, did all the consumer research to create a brand, and um, she's an XTD executive that's now on our leadership team. And um, we actually believe that it ultimately makes us a, a more, it ultimately makes us a better company. I,
0: yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more. Now, if there are three marketing or branding tips about cannabis retail and how to, how to make your brand stand out, what would they be?
1: um that's a tough one I, I I would say that a is test and learn as in uh, if you start thinking about branding or what's the voice of your brand is actually there's nothing wrong with actually putting different type of messaging out there and seeing what works before committing to one avenue I think the other piece uh, would be um be, try to be disruptive, uh, and, and what I mean by that is it's not necessarily run guerrilla marketing campaigns all over the Eden Center, what I mean by that is actually look at what everybody else is doing and pick a spot where you think you can win. We're seeing a lot of me-tos, um, especially in the education space, where it's say, well, they're, they're doing education, so we have to do education, mm-hmm. but really the way you would want to approach it is, is okay they do education, but I know I can do education so much better, and I know I can be in the consumer's eyes on this on this topic. And if you feel that way, then go after it. So really pick one or two things you want to stand for and go after them
0: harder.
1: And then I think that the, the third thing would be, is the third thing for me would be, don't underestimate a physical presence. No matter if you're a brand or a retailer, um, physical brand manifestations still give you much better engagement uh, m- much more talkability than any digital marketing campaign you could ever run in this space right now.
0: Now, we like to ask all of our guests, is there a piece of technology, a book, or a past experience that has helped shape who you are today?
1: Um, you know what, for, for me, it's really an, an experience. I mean, as you can tell by my accent, um, I grew up in, uh, in, in Germany. And, um, and if I wouldn't have met my wife in, in Australia... I would still be in Germany working for a bank and then and, and doing, doing some investing. So um, I would say that the moving to Australia and, and meeting my wife in, in Early Beach is really the one experience that fundamentally changed my life because now I'm in North America and I'm a Canadian citizen.
0: That's amazing. Thank you, Stefan, for joining us on The Shake today. We truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to record a session with us can you quickly let our audience know which social media handles and channels me e cannabis is active on and as well as your website and best place to connect with your team
1: absolutely so you can find us on the www.mehecannabis.ca um, we are also active on twitter and uh, instagram under the handle uh, mehecannabis and the best way to get in touch with us here, you can get in touch with me directly via linkedin uh, my name is Devin schengen I'm easily found Um, Or you can email us through our contact us email on our website.
0: We want to give a huge thank you to Stefan Schenk, the SVP of Customer Experience at Mihi Cannabis, for taking a moment to chat with the Shake presented by Treehouse Solution. Please check out the Mihi Cannabis website, www.mihicannabis.ca. We also want to thank our loyal Shake listeners for taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. You can join the discussion or drop us a line at www.treehousesolution.com and on Instagram at TheShakePodcast or follow our parent Instagram handle at TreehouseSolution and on Twitter at THS underscore audio. Be sure to look out for our next episode when we chat with another industry leading rep. We hope you enjoyed our session and stay tuned for our next podcast.